Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. If you don't, uh, look it up on your phone. If you don't want to do that, just pay attention because this is the word of the Lord, and I know God wants to change your life. You just got to be willing to believe that he can. In Luke twenty-two fifty-four, the Bible says, So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl notified him, n- noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man is one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. Verse 58 says, after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, listen listen to verse 61. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Verse 62, the Bible says, And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Verse 63 says, Then the guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Peter went through it, and we can too. Peter went through it, and we can too. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's here today. And, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you'd anoint me to say the things that would honor you. God, I pray that you'd teach us what you'd have us to know. Lord, I know that there is someone in this room who loves you and is ready to move forward. So, God, I pray you'd open wide a path for forward movement today in your kingdom. Teach us is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I just read that long passage of Scripture to you that tells the story about the night of Jesus beating and the the fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus told Peter. Peter was all swollen, bold. Peter was all mouthy and loud. His confession was strong. He told Jesus, even if the rest of these bums abandon you, I'm ready to die for you. He said, when everybody else turns their back on you, Jesus, I'll be back to back with you still swinging. And Jesus told him, man, before the rooster crows tonight, uh, you're going to deny me three times. This is one of a handful of stories that is told in all four Gospels. And you really need to pay attention to everything in the Bible. And when you see a story repeated in all four Gospels, you really need to examine it and make sure that you have a solid understanding of it. Uh, I want to pull some things out before we get into our text. I believe one of the things that makes the Bible so practical for everyday reading 
is its realistic picture of imperfect people serving a perfect God. What if everybody that talked about in the Bible was perfect, clean, living, holy, and never made a mistake? We can't relate to that crowd. We, we, we would never think that we, we could serve this God too if everybody we ever saw serve God was perfect and never messed up. I believe that's one of the reasons why God allows us to have a look into the lives of imperfect people that he still used, imperfect people that really did love him. If I believe, really, if we as believers opened our mind and studied the Scripture close enough, we'd quit judging other people. We quit doubting whether or not Elder Jimmy really loves the Lord. Because I heard he said so and so. Well, done, done, didn't you read in the Bible? Peter denied Jesus three times. We, 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 quit, we quit wondering, does, does Deacon Dixon really love Jesus? Because you, you, you heard he didn't come to church for, for the last five weeks. Where he? I thought he was a deacon. Hmm. Oh, I see his wife coming to church without him. him. Him and his mama don't come to church no more. They must have just left, moved up, gone out. Trouble in the Dixon home. Wonder what he did. No, I heard it was her. What did A, he was taking care of family business in his home state of Alabama just for all the gossiping nerds that want to want to throw hate. Uh, B, if we as Christians really understood how much God loves imperfect people, we wouldn't care what Elder Jimmy says or why Deacon Dixon wasn't in church. We'd just be glad God hadn't kicked us out of his family yet. This, this morning we're going to take a look at Peter. And Peter is, is a unique character in the Bible because the Bible gives a lot of insight into the life of Peter. But Peter was one of those dudes that failed a lot. There's two words, by the way, a lot. Uh, I, I, saw, I saw something on social media. It said, when, when, when is it proper to spell a lot a lot? And people came in with all this high-sounding wisdom, and, and, and the person that wrote the post just let it go on and on and on and on and on, and it finally closed out the thread by saying, it's never proper. That's not a word. Okay, but Peter failed. That's just free grammar for y'all. You can't get this everywhere. Uh, Peter failed a lot. He messed up a lot, but hear me good. Didn't mean he didn't love the Lord. He just wasn't perfect. And we're still imperfect people serving a perfect God. Let me give you some backdrop on how normal and how real a dude Peter was. Peter was a, a fisherman. He, he owned his own business. He, he, is, he was in partners with his brother and two other dudes you know named James and John. He was brought to Jesus by his brother Andrew, who was one of John the Baptist's disciples. He's the one, Peter's the one that confessed when Jesus asked them all, who do people say that I am? He made the great confession, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. This, and this is who Peter is. He's the guy that God used to preach at Pentecost where 3,000 people got saved in one day. And he's also the man that loved God so much when he, like all of the other martyrs, other than all of the other apostles, other than John, the disciple, and Judas who hanged himself, when, when Peter turned came to be martyred, as all the other apostles were except those two I just mentioned, they wanted to crucify him 
because they had crucified Jesus and they thought you follow him so strong you can die like him. Well, Jesus had already predicted he was going to die like him, but Peter, in his humility, in his Christian growth, in his discipleship process, he felt so unworthy to die the same death that Jesus died, he requested and they gladly obliged to crucify him upside down. This is the dude that we're talking about, Peter. In Matthew 26, 73, uh, the, the, the Bible says, A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter. Now, we read Luke's account. We're jumping into Matthew real quick, 26, 73. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Now, how guilty do you think he felt? He, he probably thought there was no place for him to, to go anymore. He, he sure couldn't go back to church with, with his people. He, he could never confess Jesus public again. He had to think, I've blown it. I may as well quit. Now, I want to tell you something. Before Christ, I did a lot of bad things. I've done a lot of bad things since Christ. I'm still in my process. I'm still an imperfect person serving a perfect God. I've done some things that curl your wig, but I have never looked anybody in the face and told them, I don't know Jesus. Stop bothering me about that man, Jesus. I don't know who you're talking And you probably never have either. You probably never swore up and down to anybody. I'm not one of his. I don't know him. I don't follow him. I don't care nothing about that man. You probably never have gone out that far, but I, I bet I ain't the only. I bet if we got into your worst moment in life, you've done some things that curl some folks' wigs in here too. But I don't think any of us have stooped on that low. I mean, my Lord, uh, I don't know him. He pronounced a curse on himself. He said, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know that man. Whoo, that is deep. That's so deep. That is so hurtful. Now, now here's the, get this picture. Jesus has been with these disciples for some time. He's been teaching them. He told them that he had to go to Jerusalem to be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, but that he would raise himself from the dead on the third day. They are watching from a distance as they, they are beating Jesus. They're watching from a distance this, this fake trial they're putting Jesus through uh, that had no merit to it. And Jesus can see Peter, and Peter can see Jesus. So they're off a little bit away. But they're watching from a distance. And when he did his worst dirt, Jesus looked at him. Now, Jesus didn't have to say, I told you so. Because how many of y'all know, if, if you love mom or daddy and they caught you doing something wrong, it was a look that cut you. You knew that you were wrong. He knows he's so wrong. In John 21, 23, listen to what he said after this episode. Jesus is dead. Jesus has risen from the dead but left them again. They don't understand all of this, what's going on. Let me tell you something. You don't have to understand all about God to keep following him. You don't have to have it all together to keep following him. Peter had had his failings. P Peter had, had had his issues. Peter had 
gone through stuff. He, he don't see, Jesus had just been crucified. He, he don't know how all this is going to turn out. So here's what Peter said. Jesus hadn't, hadn't gone, ascended yet. He's in between. And he, Peter says this because he's embarrassed. He's shamed. He failed publicly. He had what church folk now call a moral failure. You know what happens if a pastor has a moral failure in, in this culture? <laughs> Judy said it. <laughs> they, they, she, she's the wife of a pastor. Uh, she, uh, her, her husband gone on to be with the Lord now, but they served in ministry faithfully together for decades, and she knows. Let, mess, mess around and let somebody. I heard Brother Joe was doing 70 in a 65. Perhaps we should fire him. It's a moral failure. If they, they Listen, they had fired Peter, sure enough. Peter didn't want to get fired. He was too embarrassed for what he'd done. He was going to do something different. In John 21, 23, here's what he said. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Listen to what all the other disciples said to him. I wish it was on the screen. They said, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out to the boat, and they caught nothing all night. Now, you got to understand the context, and we lose some things because English is such a simplistic language. Uh, English do doesn't have the depth that most other languages have. I mean, you, you, you think about even, even Spanish. You say one word for if it's a man, one word for if it's a woman. We just say they. That, that, help, that helps. One crowd really loves that. But anyway, that's a different message for a different crowd. <laughs> English is a simple language, and we sometimes lose context. Let me tell you the context in the Greek when he said, I'm going fishing, that word going was in the continual text. He wasn't saying, I'm going to go wet a line, relax my mind, just get some fishing in. He said, nope, I'm going. Where, where are you going? Back to fishing. I'm going back. This preacher thing ain't worked out. This Jesus thing hadn't worked out. I done blown it big time. All y'all think I'm a hypocrite. I'm just going to quit. And they're like, we'll quit too. We'll go with you. But, but look, look, look listen, listen to what it says. They said, we'll come too. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Now, night fishing was big in that time and in that region. And Peter was a professional fisherman. Peter was a professional fisherman. The people that were with him, many of them were professional fishermen. Listen, you got to hope when a professional fisherman goes out to his honey hole, he's going to catch something. If you don't know where to catch fish, I can, I can give you a few spots in the local area. Uh, you can at least go catch some mullet, which is almost a fish. <laughs> some of y'all know about that. Um, they went out, these professional fishermen, they went out at night in prime fishing time, and they caught nothing. You want to know why? Because when a real Christian gets away from doing what he's supposed to be doing, even what he's supposed to be good at falls short. I don't believe there's a more miserable person in the world than a truly saved person who's not following God closely. I believe the Bible calls that person a carnal Christian. Carnal is the opposite of spiritual. Spiritual uh, signifies that you're following spiritual things. Carnal is the Greek word for flesh, karkikos, and it means that you're following things that are worldly. And I don't believe there's a more miserable person than a worldly 
truly saved person. Why? Because if you're lost, you can do your dirt and don't care. You can do your dirt and justify it. You can do your dirt and just say, you know, everybody does something. Even Pastor said he ain't perfect. Listen, if you feel that casual about your dirt, you need to examine yourself to see if you're really into faith. Because here's the thing. Lost people do lost things, and, and that's just that. Saved people should do saved things, and that's just that. But when a saved person is doing lost things, oh, man, there, there's conflict. There's inner turmoil. When, when Paul was in that position, he said at the end of Romans chapter 7, because he was doing stuff he didn't want to do, he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Carnal Christians are miserable people. And I believe right now, hmm, I don't want to make a blanket statement because I don't know where everybody is. And maybe some of y'all are on a mountaintop with Jesus right now. Maybe some of y'all had never been closer to God a moment in your life. But I'm going to tell you what my, uh, one of my former pastors taught me. He said, you don't have to be out there drinking and drugging to be a backslider. He said, if there's ever been a moment in your life where you were closer to Jesus than you are right now, you've slidden back. Mm. Now, what that's telling me is anybody in this room who is not closer to Jesus right now than they've ever been, is guess what? Who you calling a backslider? Uh, myself and you. Is that plain enough? Now, if you're here right now and you're like, oh, no, not me. I've never been closer to God a moment in my life. Uh, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope that's true. I want that to be true for each one of us. But most of us have a journey to travel and some work to be done. Let's listen. The Bible says we have these stories for our example so that we can learn from them. Let's listen to St. John's account in chapter 21. In John 21, this, this is what happened when Peter and the other disciples quit on God and went back to fishing. John 21 one says, Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed Twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went to the boat, and they caught nothing all night. Verse 4 says, At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Now, get this picture. They think Jesus ain't there, but he's still watching. They have decided to quit and go back to their old way of life, and I'm here to let you know. It don't matter how saved you are. This is proof positive. No matter how much saved you are, that at any moment you can go right back to doing what you were doing before you met Jesus. I've had people say, oh, I could never backslide on God. Yeah, 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 you can. If you ever slid closer to him, you can slide back. This is proof positive, but Jesus is always watching. He calls out to them, asks them, did they catch anything? No, they, didn't, they didn't catch anything. No, they replied. Verse 6, then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Man, this is so theologically packed with, 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 with great information. I don't have time to go through it all, but imagine... You got a boat full of professional fishermen fishing on the lake that they have mastered. And some dude that they don't know 
sitting up on the shore, hollers at them, Hey, y'all caught anything? No. Well, throw your net out on the other side. What do you think they looked at that man and thought? I'm going to tell you what they thought. I'm going to say it to some of y'all are going to get it, some of y'all aren't. They looked at him and they thought, Nazarene, please. <laughs> Other side of the bus. You think we don't know how to fish? Fish is what we do, boy. Up there on the land loving ground. We're out here fishing. Ain't no fishing this way. Listen, but when a Christian gets away from the Lord, their brain don't work right. They don't, they, they don't think the way they would normally think. So they did it. Verse 6, it says, he said, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Verse 7 says, then the disciple Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. The closest one to Jesus still hadn't got so far. Now, he was in the boat with the rest of them. He was walking away from ministry with the rest of them. He was out there following the person that drug him away from God, Peter. And, but he still knew who Jesus was. And he said, yo, man, that's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. Now here's here's the picture. If somebody you love had just died, and you're a hundred yards away from them in the water, and you see them on the shore, and you've been missing them and grieving them and loving them, and you see them a hundred yards away. And one of your people jump in the water to go swim to be with the one they love. Guess what you ought to be doing? Jumping in and swimming. But here's the thing. Only one of them had the massive failure. <laughs> and he was the one that wanted to get to Jesus first. Don't think for a minute that, that just because you see somebody do something that, that you know is wrong doesn't mean that they don't still have love. Peter still had love for the Lord. Verse 9 says, When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. Now, this is cool because even in their walking away, Jesus is still checking on them. Even in their walking away, Jesus is still interested in them, loving them, and feeding them. He's still taking care of them. He could say, Well, bump y'all. You don't love me? I don't love you back. But that's not who God is. That's why the ancients call him holy other. We're used to people who, who turn on us uh, just, just walking away from us, never hearing from them again. We're, we're used to trying to love people and they pull away from us. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't pull away. Jesus pulls in. And he's right there. And he's already made breakfast. for. Listen, he knew they weren't going to be successful walking away from him. He knew they needed him. Hey, listen, and let me tell you this. He knows you need him. He knows you're not going to be completely satisfied with the life you're living right now. He knows you're out there not, not making it the way you should. So he's there, and he shows up, and he makes some breakfast, 
And in verse 10, he says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. It's a great message there about how the Lord takes our stuff even when he don't need it. I've had people ask me, well, if God owns everything, if he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, why do he need my 10%? He doesn't. He doesn't. There's nowhere in heaven for God to spend money. God, God doesn't need human currency. God doesn't need our 10%. God set up a system where we could tap into it and get massive financial gain. This isn't about God taking from us. This is about God allowing us to invest. Listen, I bought Bitcoin when it was $1,700 a coin. I was talking to a preacher friend of mine the other day. He bought it when it was $300 a coin. There are people who bought it when you could get six of them for a penny. You know what, Bitcoin, tell them, Rick, you know what, Bitcoin, just the, the threshold, Bitcoin just went over in the past month? $55,000. It went back down. Now it went back up over fifty dollars again today. Would you like to buy something for $1,700 and a couple years later it'd be worth fifty dollars Anybody want that kind of investment? Anybody just like, hey, if you know a tip, let me know where I can put $1,000 and turn it into fifty grand in a couple years. Listen, people would follow that and dive all in. God has set up a system where we can plug into it and have supernatural financial gain. And if you talk to anybody who's ever been consistent in their living and in their giving, then you're going to find out that stuff is real. God don't need it. He allows us to put our stuff with his stuff. And so here he says, hey, breakfast is already made. I, I, I think it'd be like me and you, John. John's a great cook. I'm not. And John, John's a professional chef. I'm not. But if, if John was going to have me, host me for a dinner, you probably don't need me to cook much. Nothing. You got it all. But, but if John just really wanted to be all super inclusive and, and, and really kind to me, uh, he would say, you know, if, if you want, you know, if you, you made some food, you want to bring it over, I'll share it with the rest of my food. Now, his food's going to be better than mine. You don't think what Jesus was serving was better than what them apostles was bringing in? Jesus was giving them miraculous fish. Jesus was giving, they don't tell them where Jesus got those fish from. He lets you put your stuff with his. Mm, that's a good message, but I got to keep moving. Verse 11 says, so Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. Oh, Peter's changing. He's, he's mouthed off. He's told everybody, I'm the greatest follower you have. Then he makes the worst denial ever recorded in all of Scripture. Then he quits ministry and he goes back to his old way of life. Then he sees Jesus and he runs to him faster than anybody else. And then because he gets to seeing Jesus, he realizes, oh, there's work to be done. Let me do that. Here's a, here's a, here's a clue for you. The closer you fall in love with the Lord, the less likely you're going to be to walk past work that needs to be done. People that love the Lord are willing to work when work needs to be done. People that love the Lord don't sit back and watch others do everything when they can get involved. So Peter's like, oh, snap, I need to go over there and drag this net to shore. It says there were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. 
miraculous in itself. The, the net should not have held that many large fish, but, you know, when the Lord puts his touch on it, miracles happen. Amen? Verse 12, follow along, I'm almost done. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. Verse 14 says, this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Now, people, I've had people ask me, why did they struggle? Why, why was there a question? Did he look different? Did he look weird? Well, I mean, was he see-through? I mean, no, he looked like a man. He looked like a person. Um, the Bible says the same Jesus that you saw go up into heaven, you're going to see him come down in the same way, with a body. And I, I believe this is why. If somebody that you love had passed away and they showed up in the room right now, you'd be like, is that? Man, it looks like. But I know he's dead. But so th- th- this is this is kind of what's going on. They, they, they're like, is, is this really going on? But it's got to be him. Verse 15 says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. And then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Oh, I wish this scripture was on the screen so you could think about it. Everybody's sitting down. Everybody in this crowd knows Simon Peter was their leader. Everybody knows Simon Peter was large and in charge. Everybody knows he was the big mouth. Everybody knows he was the one uh, self-described leader of them all. The one that when everybody quit, Jesus, he had quit. Then he fell on his face. Let me tell you something. If you ever take a leadership position, people love to see the leader fail. Don't they, Judy? People love to see the leader fall. Justifies their bad living. And so Jesus got all these disciples sitting around, and he calls out Peter. Now, you know they got to be thinking, oh, snap. He's about to get into this boy. He saw it. He looked at him when he denied him that third time, and the rooster crowed just like he said. So they all know what had happened. But here's what Jesus said. Listen to the words of the Lord. Simon, son of John, that's Peter's government name. Do you love me more than these? More than who? More than the rest of these cats in this circle. They've been saying you're a failure and a denier. Do you love me more than all this fishing life? Do you love me more than everything that's going on around? That phrase, do you love me more than these, is a very, very uh, all-encompassing phrase. He said, you love me more than these other disciples love me, boy? Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than your old way of life? Do you love me more than running away from me? Do you love me more than these people who've been bad-mouthing you that still? Listen, <laughs> I've told people for years, stop saying uh, you've been, you got church hurt because the church can't hurt you. The church is perfect. The church is without spot and without blemish. God sees the church as, as his adorned bride. Uh, it's people in the church that hurt you. People in the church that, 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 that talk bad about you, that, that uh, smile in your face, and all the time they want to take your place because they're what? They're backstabbers. And church is too full of people like that. Find out a little dirt on somebody like, mm-hmm. I knew it. Sure I knew it. I sure know. I, 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 mm, hey, she never fooled me. 
something about her. I, I always felt just evil. Evil. So I understand when, when people that are supposed to be your brothers and sisters in Christ, um, Seth heard something yesterday. We were at the Loop in Fleming, and we go in to, to get some lunch, and somebody yelled out in the most country voice imaginable, Brother Scott! <laughs> we got our back to him. We're all the way up to the register by now. They're screaming across the Fleming Island Loop. And I don't know that Seth's ever heard anybody call me Brother Scott uh, because I was pastoring when he was born. And they were calling me Brother Scott at, at the church where I was running the prayer ministry and the singles uh, and the married, young married ministry. And it tickled him so much. He was like, they called you Brother. We, I went over and talked to him, and it was friends from a church, old church I hadn't seen in years. And... Uh, we sat down, and he laughed. He said, that sounded so funny. They're so country yelling out, Brother Scott. I said, yeah, no, that's, that's just what they call me. And, and they're like, is that your brother and sister, Dad? I'm like, yes, yeah, son, in Christ. That's my brother in Christ and my sister in Christ. Now, here's the sad reality. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's good news. The sad reality is we hack into each other too much. You shouldn't treat your brother and sister that way. You shouldn't treat your brother. You, sh you shouldn't hold uh, uh, this, this, this unattainable standard to your brother and sister in Christ. And Jesus asked Peter, he said, boy, do you love me more than all these? And Peter said, you know I love you. Now, if I ask you, do you know what time it is? And you say, you know I know what time it is. Have you really answered my question? No. I'm looking for a yes or a no. Do you know what time it is? Yes. Do you know what time it is? No. Do you know what time it is? Oh, bro, you know I know. Well, what time is it? He, he said, do you love? He said, Lord, you know. I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. See, Jesus has given Peter a way back. And I want to tell you something. He'll do the same thing for you. And I'm glad that he's done the same thing for me. So here he is, Peter. Now, the last time he sat by a fire where he could see Jesus, Jesus was being beaten, and he was three times denying. So now Peter's back around a fire. And he sees Jesus. He could have done what most church folk do. Do you know the average person that leaves church that won't come back is too scared to come back? They've thought about it. They wish they'd come back, but they're scared that people will hack into them. They're scared people will be like, I told you so. They're scared that what people will say, what people will think. You knew people who used to be here. They, they didn't come back. Guess what? They, 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 got, they, got, they got some dirt put out on them. That they did, and they're like, oh, I can never show my face there again. Too many people know. And I tell them all, ain't nobody care about you and your dirt. Well, I learned a lesson early in ministry. My pastor told me, son, stop worrying what other people think about you. Then he said this, and it, 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 it got to me. He said, stop worrying about what other people think about you, because for the most part, 
They don't. I'm Scott Becker. I'm Brother Scott. You mean they don't think about you? He said, they don't think about you. Most people would get up and let their shame run them off. Jesus says, do you love me more than the rest of these? And he says, feed my lambs. Now, Jesus goes on to say, feed my sheep. But here he says with lambs. I don't have time to preach this whole context to you. But lambs are little. And they're the ones that need the most help from the shepherd. And the focus here is on loving Jesus and not what you do for Jesus. The focus here is on loving the Lord and not doing ministry. Too many times people get involved in ministry and they don't love the Lord the way they should. I'm still up here. Too many times people get in love with what they do for God and forget it's about following him. Don't let your servitude outweigh your love for the Lord. Make sure that you have a strong love for God and a strong commitment to God. Jesus said, man, if you really love me, start helping people. In verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Same sentence. Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Now Peter's answering the question. He's more touched. He's more open. He's more uh, communicative. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Here's what's crazy. Simon Peter felt like a failure. Why? Because he had failed. Simon Peter was embarrassed. Why? Because he had embarrassed himself. Simon Peter felt shame. Why? Because he had shamed himself. Jesus didn't do him like church folk do him, kick him out of the ministry, tell him, don't ever come back here. We don't need your kind. Jesus said, I still want you, and you can still work for me. This is good news for somebody. Verse 17, though, here's the, here's the kicker. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. That time, Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now, here, here, here's the punchline. Don't miss this, and I'm done. Some people will tell you that the Lord is so gracious and compassionate that because, Simon, because Peter denied him three times, Jesus allowed to confess him three times. I'm not sure that's the point. I don't think that that's the point. I think Jesus kept asking him until he broke through that veneer. If I, if I went around the room and, and, and I got to you, uh, I, I, I pick on Richard because his shoulder's better, so somebody needs to. Uh, if, if, I, if, I just, if I was just asking everybody, do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? But then I just sat down next to Richard, and I said, come on, man, tell me the truth. Do you really love God? Now, it's been, much has been made of the fact that Jesus used different Greek words here. And it's true. In the original language, Jesus basically, the question was, do you love me? Do you like me? Do you even care about me? 
You see the difference? See the progression of that? Now, if I'm just walking around the room, and I start with Nancy, and I'm like, do you love the Lord? She's like, yes. I said, Dean Ken, do you love the Lord? Then I get to Richard, and I say, do you love the Lord? And he says, yes. And then I just stop and sit down, and I just look at him and say, do you, do you really love the Lord? He's like, absolutely. Come on, man. It's me and you. Do you love him at all? Do you care about him? Does he mean anything? Anybody see? That's going to break a veneer. That's, that's, that's going to melt a heart. That, that, that's going to get into your, in, 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 into your spirit. That's going to get you uh, in your, in, know, know that you, you failed hard and that he's putting the pressure on you now he didn't just take the first question he didn't just take the second question in verse 13 it said Peter was hurt because Jesus asked the question a third time I'm gonna tell y'all something you can't just walk away from the Lord and stay gone without him continuing to he's just gonna keep showing up he's just gonna keep asking you don't you care don't you love me I'm still here Peter breaks. And this is all the Lord is looking for in Peter's life and in our life. He's looking for us to break. He's looking for us to break with our pride. He's looking for us to break from our religion and to get really, really honest. And Peter said this. He didn't just say yes this time. He said, Lord, you know everything. Then he stu- the next sentence, I wish you could see it on the screen. The next sentence starts with the word you. He says, you know that I love you. Now, there's an inference here, contextually in the Greek, where he said, you know that I love you. Some smart person pretend like we're on Wednesday night Bible study and tell me what he's inferring when he tells Jesus, you know. Anybody understand? These others don't. Everybody by this campfire doesn't know it, God. But I know you know it. He said, you know everything. See, here's what Peter knew. Peter knew he was being judged by his brothers around the fire. Peter knew he was embarrassed by what he'd done. Peter knew that he was rejected by other Christians based on what he had done and that people were questioning him and gossiping about him and murmuring behind his back. Ooh, what about Peter denying it? Can you imagine Peter steps out for for a bathroom break? What do you think about what Peter did? I ain't sure he's one of us. I never did anything like that. And I'm whack. (laughs) Peter breaks and he says, you know everything. If nobody else, and I believe this is what Peter's thinking in his mind, if nobody else in the world believes that I love you, You already know that I love you because you know everything. I want to tell you something today, Christian. If you're truly saved, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. and It doesn't matter what what, what you have failed at. God knows everything. And if you love him, he knows that too. And this is great reassurance for Peter. He really did love the Lord. Here's the flip side of that coin. If you're here and you're pretending that you love God more than you really do, if you're pretending that you love the Lord and you don't, he 
He knows everything. Oh, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool Jesus. And he says, you know everything, God. And I believe Peter was just silently hoping, please don't ask me again. I know that you know I love you. Please tell me that you know I love you. Hug me. Smile at me. Head nod. Give me a fist bump. Something to say we're all right. And I want to tell you something. If you've ever failed the Lord, the Lord doesn't make it hard to come back to him. People do. But I want you to free yourself from what other people think about you. And I want you to live in the awareness that if you really love him, God knows you really love him. And you don't need approval from anybody else. In verse 18, Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. He's telling him how he's going to die. When he said you'll stretch out your hands, he's telling him about the cross. Verse 19 says, Jesus said this to him to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. When you love the Lord and you fail... Other people going to badmouth you. Other people going to bash you. Other people going to question your love for him. Jesus already knows how you feel about him. Once you're ready to come back to the Lord, he is going to give you the same two words that he gave Peter. Follow me. If you're ready to step forward in Christ, I give you these two words from Jesus today. Follow him. Follow him. Stop being hung up on your past. Stop being hung up on where you failed. Stop being hung up on what didn't work out for you. And follow him. Jesus didn't tell him, your whole life's going to be a ball of candy. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be perfect. He said, your love for me is going to get you killed. A horrible, tragic, torturous, violent death. Now come on and follow me. There are people in this room that love the Lord so much that if they knew that was going to be their end, they'd, do, they'd follow him anyway. Peter was one of those. Verse 20, the Bible says, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Now, he looked at John because Peter knew, even though he was the leader, that John was closer to Jesus. See, and, I, and, and every pastor's greatest hope is that there's somebody in the church that loves the Lord more than he does. I heard a pastor say one time, every time he flies on a plane, he looks for a sweet-looking little old lady because he knows God will probably let him die, but he won't let that lady die. <laughs> little newsflash about sweet-looking little old church ladies. Some of them meaner than the devil. But Peter's now, he's trying to come back to the Lord. He's, 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 he's made up his mind. Yeah, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to get back in ministry. But you got your boy over there, John. I know I'm, I'm the leader of this little ragtag outfit, but I know John's the one. Never let you down. John was the only one that didn't abandon Jesus at the cross. Out of all 12 of them, John was the only disciple that showed up at the cross. John was the only one that stayed true to Jesus from day one to the end. But guess what? Right now, John's fishing. When he should be praying. 
Right now, John's fishing when he should be serving God. And so Peter says, well, all right, you just told me what's going to happen to me. Maybe you don't love me as much as you love other people. What you going to do with him? You going to let them crucify me the way my fellowship's going to end up in suffering and death? What about your boy? We know, you, we know he's your favorite. And he undeniably was the closest man to Jesus in the world. Verse 22, Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, and here come these two words again, follow me. This is the trap that everybody is subject to get into. When you're trying to get back close to God after you've messed up, you want to look at other people and say, well, what about him? What about her? Well, how do they get this? How's this going to work out for me? And this comparison game, when the Bible already told us, if we compare ourselves to ourselves, we become unwise. And Jesus said, what difference does it make what I do with him? You're going to die for me. Maybe he's not. And he wasn't martyred. He didn't live till Jesus came back. But Jesus said, don't worry about him. Just follow me. I want to release you today into moving forward for Christ. Stop worrying about other people. And what they're doing. Stop worrying about your failures or their failures. Because I know, I believe I know what Peter's thinking. Your boy's out here fishing with us. Everybody's bashing me around this circle because I denied you. Your boy John, that's, that, that's the one you gave your mother to at the cross. You adopted him into your family at the cross. Your boy John, the one that was all leaned over on you at the Last Supper. The one you always was tight with, he's out here with us too. What you going to do about him? Jesus said, don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. Just follow me. See, it's easy to see the mistakes that Peter made. He was too scared, and we can get scared too. He boasted too much, and we can boast too much too. He prayed too little. We can find out tonight. It's prayer night. He acted too fast, and he followed too far away. And this sounds like so many of us today. Charles Spurgeon said, humans are feeble, frail, and prone to failing. It's true. A popular song came out years ago, and it wasn't all the way great, but it made a point. It said, we fall down, we get up. And that's the life of the Christian. Proverbs 24, 16 says that a righteous person falls down seven times but rises up again. Hear this, and I'm going to get out of your way. The devil, the world, and evil church people want you to think that your failing makes you a failure. The devil, the world, evil church folk, your mind your own sense of esteem makes you want to think because you messed up that you are a failure. But the Bible says a righteous person keeps falling down, but they keep getting up. It's not your failure. It's not your falling down that makes you a failure. It's staying down. It says a righteous person falls down seven times to keep getting up, but an unrighteous person, one fall is enough to keep them down forever. You can't stop a true Christian from keeping on trying to come back 
to God. You can't stop a true believer from continuing to say, I messed up and whack, but I love him and he knows I love him. Doesn't matter what y'all think, because I love him more than all y'all. Jesus asked him, you love me more than all these? And Peter's like, you know it. You sure know it. They don't know it because they're judging me. They don't know it because they're they're harassing me. But he said, you know it. And I'm going to tell you this morning, we can't let our failures drive us back to our old way of living. Don't you dare go back. Some of y'all, life not turning out the way you want it. You failed, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed. I've been in all those places. But I'm not going to give up on the Lord. Because he's proved himself to me too many times. Stay with him and let him prove himself to you over and over and over again. That he'll keep taking you back. If we fail, if we backslide, we just need to step forward and front slide. We just need to get back around the place where the Lord is and tell Him we love Him. See, past failures hurt us in, in, in three different ways. Number one, unresolved past failures prevent us from going on with God if we let it. Everybody in this room has a failure. Don't let it prevent you from moving on with God. Another way past failures hurt us is because sometimes getting right with God doesn't always remove all consequences. get drunk get in a car wreck and lose your legs get right with God your legs probably not going to grow back but it's still worth getting right with God over past failures I believe hurt us in the biggest way self guilt carrying around all that guilt is not what the father wants for you he loves you I was sharing with my mom yesterday on the phone Friday my mom had a birthday on Friday it's okay to say happy birthday Mimi and I was sharing with her about my son my oldest son who's in the Marines right now just graduated from boot camp he's off in his training so now he has his phone back and he's calling me 10 times a day I I asked uh, I'm like, is he blowing your phone up too? I think he's bored. And I was telling my mom, every letter he wrote me, every time he talks to me, he just tells me and tells me and tells me how much he loves me and how he's just doing all this and he wants me to be proud of him and he wants to be like me and he wants to make me proud so much to the point where I finally have just been telling him, I was like, son, you don't have to do anything make me proud I'm already proud you're my son I loved you since before you came into this world there's no level of anything you could do to change that I want you to understand that the Bible says if we love our kids that much how much more does our Heavenly Father love us don't let your guilt or your shame make you think God doesn't want you anymore he does there's nothing you can do Peter did something worse than any of us have done I believe that that's out there to say what he said 
Jesus took him back. He said, I still got room at the table for you. I want you to know there's still room at the table of the Lord for you. Don't let guilt drive you away from the Lord. Remember this. The only kind of people God uses backsliders. First time I heard that, I didn't understand it. But then I realized the only kind of people there are are people who backslidden. So don't think because you've been a backslider that God doesn't love you and won't use you. Remember this, failure doesn't have to be final. Peter could have quit, gave up, never went to church again a day in his life, quit serving God, went back to fishing. But his love for the Lord wouldn't let him. If we allow God to work in us, he'll work it out all right. Wherever you are in your life right now, I want you to be willing to move closer to the Lord. Last verse I'm going to give you, Luke 22, 32. Jesus had already told Peter he was going to fail. Jesus had told Peter, you're going to have the worst denial of me in the history of mankind. Jesus had already told Peter, all that bragging you're doing right now is going to make you eat crow when you mess up. But right after that, Jesus told him this in Luke 22, 32. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail you. And when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. He said, when you overcome, you're set back. Go help people. There's work for each one of us to do in God's kingdom. And it's time. It's time we stop beating ourselves up over our mistakes. It's time we stop beating ourselves up over our sinfulness. It's time we stop beating ourselves up over denial. It's time we stop beating ourselves up over what people think about us. It's time we stop beating ourselves up over what people know about us that's true. And realize, God knows I love him. And you ought to have it in your heart. And I know there's a couple people in this room that really believe it. And I think it's a good thing to believe. You ought to have it in your heart right now that if God asked you, if he came to you right now and he said, do you love me more than all the rest of these people? You ought to say in your heart, absolutely I do. Ain't no doubt in my mind I do. That ain't hating other people. That's just knowing that your love is real. Jesus wants to know, do you love him? Don't let your failures speak for you. Let what he knows speak to you. Did you get that? Don't let your failures speak for you. Let what he knows speak to you. He knows if you love him. Will you follow him? Will you put the past in the past and follow him? Will you move beyond the hurt and the pain and follow him? Will you recognize that it's time, and this is the only time that we have left to serve him? Today's the only day we have promised. Will you be who he created you to be? Or will you wallow in your old way of life, wishing things were different? Oh, we've all slid back. 
question to you this morning is will you slide toward Jesus? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for being the ever-loving God. Thank you that your mercy endures forever. Thank you that you never give up. God, I pray for people who are hurting because they love you and they failed you. God, I pray that you will show them that you know that they love you. God, I pray that you'd move in the lives of your people today. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'd let us step forward and draw closer to you. Help us, God, to honor you. Lord, I pray that you'd save the lost Cover the backslider. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.